Hey guys, this is Rafael, the host of Change Your Mindset Podcast. And in this episode, which is episode eight, we talked to Shane Wentz. He is the CEO of Change, a change in Lanitude Consulting. In this episode, we talk about his love for continuous improvement and how he has helped organizations at the floor level improve their overall performance. It's a great podcast, so listen in. Hello, Shane. Yeah, this is Shane. Hi, how you doing? I'm good. Yourself? Well, th- good. I'm really good. Thank you. It's a t- Monday. It's a great Monday. So I really appreciate you making the time and speaking with me. Oh, no problem. And just so I don't uh, butcher your name, Raphael, correct? Yes, that is Raphael. Raphael. Now, okay. Want to no, sure. I, absolutely. <laughs> so, so, no, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. I, I really appreciate it. So, so let me just go through it. So, uh, in today's podcast, Change Your Mindset, I'm, I have the pleasure of speaking with. Now, go say your name, Shane Wentz. Shane Wentz, yes. Perfect. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself, Shane? Yeah, so uh, born and raised in Ohio, kind of moved all over the world uh, after high school, joined the Army. Um, started off as a military intelligence analyst and became an HR guy. And then uh, probably the best thing that happened to me was uh, towards the end of my career, um, the Army was rolling out this thing called Lean Six Sigma. And uh, happened to be at the right place, the right time, and uh, got to go through the black belt training, got certified as a black belt, and then uh, went through master black belt training. And then over a period of time, uh, ended up getting certified as a master black belt. Uh, and that kind of kicked off my career as a, uh, as a continuous improvement guy. And uh, ever since, I uh, made the jump to the private sector, working for companies like Siemens. Right, right. Not nike ebay enterprises and then uh this past year started my own consulting firm a change in latitude consulting and uh yeah that's what i've been doing ever since good for you now first of all thank you for your service really appreciate that um oh the, thank the, you the second thing is what what was that spark what was that thing that got you into the continuous improvement item because when i talk to a lot of people there's this one thing they go yeah that's it or something happened to them personally but for you what was that turning point that said you know what i need to i need to get more involved in this yeah i think you know it's interesting i look back and i i think it was a culmination of of probably two things one is uh my childhood born and raised in ohio um i'd say mostly raised by a single mom you know kind of had a a turbulent childhood um you know, a lot of chaos. So I, I did everything I could to try to bring order to that for me and my brother. And um, I, I think then you, you combine that that constant chaos, which which to me was was never a good thing. I'm more of a, uh, you know, I, I like processes. I like to set things up. I like change, but but I like to um, be a part in that change. So I think trying to bring order to chaos um, and then you know, later in life, realizing that even in my military service, before I even knew what this thing called continuous improvement was, I, I was that that fixer. I mean, I, I was talking to my wife the other day and we we averaged moving every about two and a half years in the military. 
Uh, and that's not really normal, but what would happen is I'd come in and I'd, you know, either set up a program or improve a program, get it going. And then I get a call, say, Hey, can you come here and kind of do the same thing here? So I think when you take those two things combined is that, that, you know, that need to put order to chaos and that kind of fix it, uh, mentality. Right. To me, the two kind of really sparked my passion for continuous improvement. What's good. One of the things that I remember early on is as a young leader, as well as in the military, I was thrown in the wolves, right? As a 18 year old junior leader, you get thrown into the thing. And I think at that point it was, a, it was tough for me, really tough. Um, I think at that moment I said, you know what? I can't let this happen to other people. So I really took the time when I became more senior to really train people. And that's what really what sparked my interest. But, but the other part was I always wanted to look for uh, the, a way to think through problems. And what I was really looking for, and I just, I just found this out at an aha moment maybe a couple of years ago, was really models. Um, yeah. Models in the fact of like the 80-20 rule model like the model of scalability, the, the model of law, the law of large numbers. And I, I started reading Poor Charlie's Almanac, which talks a lot about models, but I think I'm, I'm the same realm, right? There's, there's chaos and there has to be a specific thing or uh, something to follow to bring order to that. Now, now the other, the other question I have for you. All right. So, so tell me a little bit about what you're doing now. Yeah, so what what I'm doing now, we, we started on, like I said, consulting firm, uh, a change in latitude consulting last year, um, ha- have really been, I'd say, extremely pleasantly surprised by the pull, you know, um, that I've gotten. I, I've, I've been very blessed with a, a really good network. I've been, you know, really fortunate as far as uh, just some networking with folks and, um so we do, you know, we kind of focus on a few things. One is, um, you know, continuous improvement coaching. And that can be coming in and, and coaching various leaders. That could be coaching people on projects. You know, the, it runs a gamut as far as the coaching goes. Uh, and then it can be training. Uh, we've done a lot of training, everything from, you know, kind of your standard kind of white belt to your green belt and black belt training. Uh, we've, we've developed a partnership with the University of South Florida. Uh, their corporate development and professional education department. So it works really well. So they might have a client like Amazon is one of their clients in Florida. Um, so what they'll do is they, Amazon says we want a green belt or a black belt or even some project management um, training. They'll have us come in and uh, we've helped develop some of the material and then we'll come in and do the training and then any follow on, you know, consulting that's needed, we help with that as well. Now, now do you uh, focus specifically on, lean six sigma and in in that arena no um it's it's that's where some of it's been but you know quite honestly in what i've tried to do based on my background and then just based on what i've seen uh with with kind of other consulting companies is you know we're a boutique consulting we're we're small um but then we've got a large bench of 1099s that come in and help us with the work and what we, we, what we really try to do is focus on understanding the organization from a cultural perspective uh, and then understanding what their true needs are. Because you may have a, a company that comes to you and says, hey, I need X or I need Y. But as you have a series of conversations with them, you understand that's not really what they need, right? They need something a little bit different. So 
what we'll do is we'll talk to them, find out what that need is, find, and then through, uh, through talking to them and various leaders in the organization, we'll, we'll tailor that training. So if, if they're doing lean and they want to do lean training, then, then we'll definitely help them with that. If they're doing Six Sigma or there's I've seen more and more organizations now that are becoming more agnostic to the methodology. In other words, well, yeah, we'll use some tools from lean. We'll use some from Six Sigma, but we don't really want to put a stamp on it and call it this or that. We're just going to call it continuous improvement. Good. And what's in, in that, right? And I think I've been exposed to a lot of that. What's the, what's the toughest conversation or what's the toughest thing that when you go through that, that it's hard for the, it's really hard for them to understand. What's that, what's that thing yeah. that it's really hard for them to understand? I think the hardest thing for them to understand is, is the role that leaders within the organization play. Um, you know, it's funny, you're talking about leadership early, right? And I, I say quite often leadership isn't a difference maker. It's the difference maker. And, you know, I look back on my journey, probably similar to yours in the military. I was a young 19, 20 year old kid. All of a sudden I had five people that who, who really for, you know, basically lives were in my hands as yeah. far as I was their leader. Yeah, it's tough. Right. It's tough. And, and when I look back on it, I, I sucked. I mean, yeah, I truly yeah. did. I, I was not a good leader. <laughs> yeah, me too. You know, but, and... but you know, I, would, I, I knew for a fact for me, I was an excellent follower. I was, the, yeah. I was the best follower in the world, <laughs> but man, you know, sometimes they make, you know, like today organizations make mistakes. Like they put the best follower in charge. Yep. Well, in my case, it was, it's the same thing. It was, oh man, what do I do now? Right. I get it. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. You were saying about leadership, right? Go ahead. Yeah. So, so leadership is so critical, right? And so, you know, what, I think what a lot of organizations don't get is, Hey, listen, we'll come in and, and we'll definitely help you. Right. But what I try to make sure that we plug into is if it's training or if it's coaching or even on the project management side, if we're helping them either set up a, a, a you know, project management portfolio or, or you know, how that should work, I, I always ask to be plugged into the, the key leaders because, you know, I, number one, we've got to understand the culture. And if you, to understand the culture, you have to understand the leaders, right? Leaders drive culture. Culture drives behavior. Behavior d- gives you results. Right. So if you want the right results, I think what a lot of organizations don't get, those results are directly tied to the quality of leadership within the organization. So while me and my organization, you know, one, we can definitely come in and do, you know, leadership coaching. But if we're coming in and even just doing continuous improvement training or coaching, I'm going to want to have a plug in to the leadership because I've got to understand the leadership, I've got to understand the culture because that'll help us to, um, to adjust our approach, right? Because we're not going to do one, one approach. An approach for Toyota won't work at Ford, won't work at Amazon, you know, won't work at, at Walmart. So you have to adjust all of that. But I think what a lot of them miss is that key component. And there's plenty of research out there that shows if you don't have engaged leadership, the chances of continuous improvement efforts failing go up significantly. One, one of the things that I've noticed, and, and I may, I, you know, you talk about leadership and my, my mind always goes to what does that conversation look like between the leaders? Um, because I think in my experience, uh, the, one of the reasons why it doesn't stick or one of the things that they don't get is that the, the key executive is the key role that, that sustains this whole thing, right? That sustains this whole cultural improvement in regards to if they want to make a change, of course, the leadership has to ask those questions a lot, right? 
Now, in that, you know, and you bring up a good point, you know, it's the leadership within your organization. But how, how do you, how do you, I guess my, my thing is, how do you know, how do you judge that? Or how do you evaluate that in a sense to say, yeah, you don't have enough leaders or, I mean, I'm just trying to figure out what your thought is in regards to an organization that is wanting to do continuous improvement because they see the opportunity, but do they have to focus on leadership first to develop those school, those skills before they get into continuous improvement? How do you mesh those two, those two things together? Yeah. Yeah. Great, great point. Great question. Um, so I, I think, Number one, I think before you start any continuous improvement program, I, I think you definitely need some work on the leadership. But at, at a minimum, at an absolute minimum, you have to have the buy-in from the leadership team that, yes, they're going to do this. Yes, they're going to support this. Right. And then, quite honestly, you need to uh, – step number one is normally some kind of education of them, right? If I'm getting right. ready to go into an organization and say, hey, we want you to give continuous improvement training to our frontline managers – you know, one of the first questions I ask is, okay, you know, your leadership team, you know, how, how familiar are you with continuous improvement? Well, you know, we, we have a general understanding. Uh, you know, if you have a general understanding versus at least going in for a half-day session uh, to get a better understanding of it and then to understand some of the key talking points. I mean, you've probably experienced this too, right? If you've got a, if you had a leader that goes into an organization and just – ask a simple question of let's say a GM or a frontline manager says, Hey, I'm curious, what's, you know, what's your tack time like, or, Hey, um, you know, what, what's your thoughts on, on, you know, you guys having a pull versus a push. Right. Right. Exactly. Or, or the other question I have, like for employees, like, Hey, what's the plan for this week? Yeah. 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 It, ex- yeah. And, and they're like, show me your mm, plan. <laughs> mm, yeah. You know, I just, but, but a lot of that you're off. I think you're absolutely right. Is asking the simple questions. Like you said, the behavior, the behavior, leadership behavior will drive results. But if they don't know, or they're ill-informed, or they just don't have guidance, then that's just there's a connection there. Yeah, absolutely. Because okay. you know the, those leaders, they're going to be out. They're going to be the ones that are out there talking about right. it. They're going to be the ones trying to get it. You know, and it and it doesn't just happen by one speech. It doesn't just happen by saying do it. Right. Right. So they've got to have those key talking points where they don't have to be experts. But they, they've got to show that they have a basic understanding. Now, you, you talk about and read some of your comments or blog posts. You mentioned continuous improvement, right? That That is definitely – now, one of the things you talk about was the role one takes in that in that thing, right? Is that – when you, you mentioned uh, – this is the blog. If your role within the continuous improvement arena, then you're a leader. And that means you need to roll up your sleeves and make sure the act and carry yourself accordingly. Now in, in, in that, right. I want to try to get your thoughts on now, does it have to be a role specifically to say I'm continuous improvement or should it be me being the supervisor? I've got to spend a little bit of time today, right. An hour, two hours, because they only have eight hours in a day on this continuous improvement and drive those. Now, do you, do you think that the, there should be a separation in that? Uh, I, I'd say both. Right. And, and I say the message was it, it actually the message was intended for both. So if you are a, a continuous improvement practitioner, 
and and I hear this from a lot, and and I consider myself one as well. Yeah, we as continuous improvement practitioners have a bad habit of talking about, hey, leadership engagement, leaders not doing this, leadership not doing that. Hey, I can't get people to do this, people to do that. And what I what I say every time is, is hey, do, do you consider yourself a leader within the organization? And what I'll get feedback on a lot is, well, I'm a, you know, I don't have any direct reports. So technically, you know, I'm a manager, but I'm not a leader. And I'll say, well, you know, let's talk about that. And I'll disagree with that. The bottom line is I disagree. If, leadership is not a position. It's not a title. It's not a number of direct reports. It's your ability to influence. So if you influence people in an organization, you're a leader. So that means, guess what? You're part of developing that culture. And, and you need to be able to understand how to influence people accordingly. So I think there's that piece of it. And then the other piece, if you're a supervisor, if you're a manager within an organization and you're looking at the quote unquote continuous improvement professionals to do it, it it's a huge miss. Part of being a leader, right, is, is you need to have a basic understanding of continuous improvement and you need to help drive those continuous improvement fundamentals within your portion of the organization, right? So if you're, if you're a frontline supervisor, then, hey, you're basically the CEO of that frontline. So you need to take continuous improvement. You need to take safety. You need to take quality and push those out and not just rely on the safety team, the quality team, or the continuous improvement right. team. Right. It, it's ownership and accountability. I'm accountable to, for safety. I'm accountable for continuous improvement my team. Now, what would you tell that supervisor or, or that person that's kind of on the fence on continuous improvement? Because it is a tough, it is a tough role. It's a tough job. You're okay. always in the spotlight. You're always a bad guy. You're always looking for those opportunities that may make, make, make people feel comfortable. So what would you tell that individual supervisor? What are the first couple steps to try to get into doing something with continuous improvement within that organization? I think first and foremost is you're not going to do it yourself. It's a team effort. Right. Um, and this is where I see the, you know, I see some efforts go sideways a little bit, right? Is So bring in your finance partners, bring in your HR business partners. I mean, any organization I'm in and I'm doing continuous improvement, whether I'm a corporate role or coming in as a consultant, those HR business partners and that finance team are absolutely critical, right? Because you got to understand the pulse of the organization. Can we go faster? Can we go slower? HR is going to be able to help you with that, right? They've got their ear to the ground. They know the pulse of the organization. Finance, right? Metrics. Metrics are absolutely critical. We, we talk about building a culture of continuous improvement, when you talk about executive leaders in an organization, for the most part, they're worried about three things. They're worried about money in terms of revenue, in terms of cost. They're worried about market share, and they're worried about exposure or risk. So you have to, you have to put it within the context of those three things. So when we say things like, hey, we're going to build a culture of continuous improvement, what a lot of executive leaders think is, ooh, culture, that's nice, that's, yeah, that sounds great. But how's that fit into the arena of one of those three things I just mentioned? Right. Okay. Right. So, so that supervisor has to partner with them and partner with, you know, if you've got an internal CI team or you're working with external consultants, it has to be a partnership, right? Uh, it, it can't be, a, you know, one person out trying to do it all because it's not going to work. Yeah, it makes sense, right? Is team effort, 
um, bringing in some individuals in. Okay. One, one of the things, and just to, let me add a couple of things there. And one of the things that I, that I always tell people, or you see our supervisors, I, I always ask, what's your goal, right? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? What's your ambition in as a role? Because, you know, supervi- my experience, supervisors or managers, they have certain levels of ambition, right? They want to get promoted to the next level. They want, they seek other things. So I always start with that question, like, hey, what's your goal? What's the ambition? Or what's the goal of the department? And I go, yes. okay, well then, okay, say, and where are you at right now? Well, I'm not there yet or in regards to the organization, this is what I'm struggling with. And I go, okay, so how are you capturing the data in regards to what we call lost time or opportunities? Well, I'm not, I, I just know, you know, I just know my, my stuff and, <laughs> you know, I just, you know, I've had those conversations that have no data. Okay. All right. So then I find out there's, there's data, there's data somewhere. They just don't know where to go look. Or the other part is that, hey, let's just start counting something. Can we just start counting whatever it is? Okay, let's start counting whatever, you know. And I think, I think to your point is it, it starts with the team, but also is incremental, right? Incremental, like let's count. Let's get the data. Let's just look at what the story looks like right now, current state. Then, then we kind of map it or reverse engineer it from the actual goal. So, hey, what are the things that, you could do today, the team could do today to try to get closer or fix this one thing or whatever it may be. But I think, I think you're right. And, and it takes, it doesn't take that one supervisor or CI person. It takes him or her bringing other people in because it's, even, even though you, you talk to HR and you talk to finance, it's really the conversation now with whoever's in charge of that data, right? Yeah. And that's, I think for me, it's always been, what does that conversation look like? What does it sound like? What does it feel like? And does it make sense overall? Yeah. And, and I think that's a great point. And right. A, a, a real, a real quick example where we went in to do visual management in, in one organization. Right. And it was distribution center out on the floor. And the initial, you know, the initial pushback we got from supervisors were, Hey, we get reports every hour that tell us how we're doing. But as you really sat there and talked to them about their day, I mean, that 10 hours that they spent was complete firefighting. So, you know, one, it was a matter of, okay, yeah, you get reports, but do you really pay attention to them? Two, it was, okay, well, if we're going to have to do visual management, then we're going to have to make it this huge, you know, elegant, all of this. No, don't let perfection get, get in the way of, of progress. Started on a little whiteboard, right? And, and, what they started doing was initially it was twice a day, which we knew wasn't going to be enough. And, and we had one of the GMs say, no, you need to switch it. No, let them do it. They had to own it. Right. right. So they started it. They evolved it about half a dozen times over a couple of months. And what they got into were, was every section out on this large distribution center over a million square feet, every hour would get up, write the numbers on the whiteboard, look at the goal versus the actual. If there was a miss, write what the miss was and then they paraded it out and then they later they would assign people and and they'd track all of that stuff right but just that taking five minutes every hour to go up and write it pay attention to it get on the radio and talk to people about what they're seeing it allowed them to make minor adjustments throughout the day rather than waiting till halfway through the shift and having to you know get 20 people over here or 30 over there and it made such a huge difference but they had to take that initial step forward to get there that's a good point. Um, now, there's another thing I want to talk about, and I want to get your 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 insight on this. 
Um, one is I, I always tell, I always talk to supervisors and we go through this, right. And especially like leadership teams. And I say, Hey guys, you know, there's a little churn. I go, Hey guys, if you look at this thing that we're doing, it's not really for you. It's not really for you. It's for your employees. So the employees have to understand whether they had a good day or a bad day at the end of the day. The only way they'll, they'll know that is whether you're communicating those things relative to the goal. What happened that day? Good, bad, or indifferent. They've got to know because you know why? And, and, and I tell them, you know, you know, every employee, me included, you and everyone else, we all go home and talk, to, talk about our bosses. <laughs> we, we all do. We all do yep. go home and talk about our bosses. And guess what? That's a reflection on the organization. You are the organization in their eyes. So at the end of the day, you got to say, well, man, I, I had a good day and this is why. Or, you know what? I had a bad day and this is why. You know, you have yep. to. And I always tell them it's not for you. It's for the employee engagement rolling up and all that. Now, now what, so here, Shane, just, just from your thought, right? Why? Two questions. One is, why should organizations pay attention to continuous improvement? What's the big why? But also, how much are they really leaving on the table if they don't do it? Yeah, yeah. So for me, um, you know, continuous improvement is, I I mean, it's, it's such a game changer. I mean, if you look at what you can do with what I think are, are fairly simple tools, right? By by mapping out processes. And, you know, I, I've just seen value stream mapping events that you see opportunities just falling out of the map, right? And, you know, and then, you know, even, so you've got that piece. Then you've got just by bringing cross-functional teams together, and that's why I call continuous improvement, it's, it's one of the best tools for smashing silos. And I see all these organizations that have these silos, you know, where certain departments don't talk to others and et cetera. And um, think about it. You're, you're bringing cross-functional teams together. They're owning it. They're pushing it forward. That, how can that not smash through silos? Right. Right. That's a good point, though. Yeah. So, so you're, you're going you're gonna to smash through those silos. You're going to develop your employees. Right. We're going to provide some kind of training. We're going to give them ownership. Uh, there's, a, there's a book I love by Daniel Pink called Drive where he talks about those three intrinsic motivators If you can tap into will increase employee engagement in the workforce, right? And it's they have to be seen as masters of what they do. They have to have the autonomy to make changes to the process that we see them being masters of. And three, they have to know what their part is within the broader context of the organization. Continuous improvement does all three of those, Right. So you, you're going to increase employee engagement. You're going to smash silos. And oh, by the way, we're going to get a lot of savings out of this through the methodology and through the tools tied through those methodologies. So for me, it's, it's a game changer. And I well, think here's no, oh, no, I'm go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. No, no but, but the thing I would say, the key thing, if you're listening, you're a supervisor, manager, continuous improvement, continuous improvement is great, but it also squeezes out the bad. So you've got to yeah. be very careful and doing it and bringing everyone along because it isolates those bad processes and bad behaviors so that when you do have a conversation around, hey, um, yeah, we're all meeting our goal and table 10 and 11 is not meeting expectations, then your focus is on training, then it becomes a willingness or capability question, then, of course, you manage by the 80-80-10-10 
then yep. that's your bottom 10 percent then you have to manage them accordingly then it becomes a conversation around that so it, it continuous improvement is good but you've got to realize that it also squeezes out the bad as well absolutely could could not agree more i'm, I'm so okay. glad you brought up the 1080 or the the, yeah, yeah, some, because it's a re, it's a reality because yeah, because it'll it squeeze everything out, it, and that's I think leading into the question, it squeezes everything out. So how much are they leaving really realistically in your experience on the table? So if an executive's listening to this and they're really pondering whether they want to start continuous improvement, the big question is how much is left on the table if they don't do it? Yeah, you're 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 leaving millions on the table. You're leaving. Uh, increasing employee engagement, you're leaving smashing through silos, you're leaving developing your employees and your leaders. Um, I mean, that 1080-10 is such a critical concept. And, and think about it from this perspective. Organizations, if they're doing it smartly, they're trying to figure out a couple things. One, how do we identify the bottom 10 so we can manage them accordingly? But most importantly, you have the top 10% that are your elite performers, and they're going to continue to be that way. Then you have that middle 80-ish percent, right? So what you want to do is you want that top 10% to – you want to take that 80% and get more of them into the top 10. And then you want uh, uh, hopefully some of that bottom 10-ish and get them into the middle, right? And right, then, right. then you've got to figure out what to do with the remainder, remaining. So if you've got something like continuous improvement where you're leveraging cross-functional teams, you're training them, it's collaboration – you know, you're going to be able to leverage those elite performers in those Kaizen events, in those projects. Those 80 percenters so, are going to have ownership. So you're, it's going to help you in that 10-80-10 model to do what you need to do with that. So so when you say millions, let's just talk through that really quick. Uh, it could be, it could be, when we talk about that, my experience is, is, is out of the same number of hours that you're executing on, you could potentially increase output, from my experience, minimally by 20 to 30% and just changing a couple of things. Now, that's changing the obvious stuff, right? There's some obvious things that you can fix and continuous improvement. As you get into the next levels, it becomes more detailed and more tougher because now you're looking at, you know, one, um, what's one sigma, two, whatever that may be, but... It's, it's one of those things that you look into now. It's, it's producing more volume with hours or, or if, you, if you can't produce any number of volume based on your market, then it becomes, okay, how do I manage the hours out? Either, re, uh, either one is positioning people in other areas, whatever it may be, but it's one of the two things, right? Is, but when you say millions, it's, it's that over annualized over this year, next year, the following year. And sustainable for the next 10, 20, 30 years that you'll save millions of dollars if sustained in this aspect, in this way of culture. And you're right to the employee side of it. If they get involved and you said they're a master of their own domain and go, hey, you know what? This is really me. I'm accountable now for this process. How do I make it better? They own it, right? Like you said, they're, they're owning it. They're a master of those things. You know what? I can produce one more thing or I can take them one more phone call or I can do one more quality check or two or three more. And before you know it, they're doing 10 more every week with this, with in, not, not with the same amount of effort, right? This, there's no increase in effort. There's the same amount of effort as I go through it, but Oh, wow. 
I did 10 more, right? And, and, and that's how you said, right? They become engaged. They become more involved. They start asking questions. And I think to the point you said earlier at the way at the beginning, so when that executive, that leader audits the employee and says, hey, employee, you know, hey, what's your plan? What's your goal? What's, what's the tool that you're using? They can quickly show you, like, they're excited to show you their plan. Oh, yeah. And they're, they're excited to show you what tool they're using as part of lean. And they're excited to, to show you those things because, like you said, right, at the end of the day, they, they own it. Yep, absolutely. And, and, and I'll be honest, when I, when I say millions, I think that the two areas that a lot of people miss – a lot of organizations miss. They think, okay, well, we're going to have to cut people or we're just going to have to be more efficient in our hours. And I think the two things I see a lot of organizations not account for is inventory, right? And that's yep, why I always yep. bring finance in, right? If you reduce inventory, that is a dollar savings, right? That, yeah, that's hard so, savings. You're absolutely yeah. right. So you got inventory and then quality, right? So if we improve quality, I saw one organization, and it's a name everybody knows, where you come in, look at their quality, their vendor scorecard rating was a, a D or an F with some of their, their wholesale, you know, like maybe a Kohl's or a Penny's that they're, that's selling their merchandise, right? So they're getting chargebacks from bad quality of, you know, somewhere 15 to $20 million a year, right? So if you, through continuous improvement, which we did, you improve quality by 35%, that, that's millions that they're savings from having to do chargebacks to these organizations. So I think those are, there's a lot of uh, dimensions of savings that I think a lot of organizations miss. And I'll be honest, I've missed them early on in my career. It wasn't until I started partnering closely with finance and having them partner with me before, during, and after we do Kaizans or projects that I started seeing some of these other dimensions that we had just missed. Hey, you talk about partnering. What, why is it important for organizations, say, say you've got a mid-level organization that is not sure, unsure, why is it important for them or anyone to partner with a CI professional? Yeah, I think it's, it, it, it's and, and I see this a lot, right? And I think, I think this is the age of self-help, right? It's, hey, we can go out and get some books. We can uh, yeah, you know, go to start... YouTube. Let me YouTube this. Yeah, thing. <laughs> I, I'll go and YouTube it and I'll watch a video. Man, I'm, okay, I got it, right? Um, I, I think what you get by partnering with, with CI professionals is it really opens your eyes. You know, I go in and I do something like executive leader training where it's only a couple of hours, but we do a simulation. And through some of these simulations, you just you see their eyes open up, right? Because they start equating this simple simulation with a ball or legos or a toast video or whatever it may be they start equating that to those three things i mentioned earlier in terms of money market share and exposure and they see the you know they're like wow exponentially this is millions that we're leaving on the table by not doing this so i think just by partnering with with folks that do this for a living uh it changes your mindset in terms of the tools and techniques but then the other thing um, I, I think you always have to account for is the change management. You know, being able to do things like a stakeholder analysis, force field analysis, you know, understanding the change curve, things like that. I mean, when you put organizations through a continuous improvement rollout, you, you're going to have that change management that you have to take into consideration. And that's, that's things that, you know, CI professionals, we, you know, we do all the time. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. So, so that's, that's a good point, right? Because even as a, as an organization, you have to be either sympathetic or empathetic to the leadership team when they're pushing back, 
what I always tell people, and especially leaders and in, in, during the change management is you've got to understand whether they're challenging, people are challenging you to challenge you or they challenge you to understand. You've got to know yeah. those two differences because if people are pushing back, they're challenging you maybe to, because they don't understand this process. So you've got to over communicate and be sympathetic or empathetic to say, I get it. Let's just talk through it step by step. Let's go through this. But a lot of, I've seen a lot of leaders or leaders that are in that role, they, they drop the hammer and say, this is what needs to be done, you know, whatever yep. it may be. But you've got to be flexible enough to say, okay, these are our objectives. Like you said, this is our CI plan, whatever it may be. We're partnering with, with this organization, with Shane, whatever it may be. They're going to walk us through this. Just be aware that there's going to be employees that don't like this because it's going to, it's going to, it puts you out there. It puts you on the limelight sometimes and go, okay, yeah, I'm not meeting my goal. I'm at 20, 30%, but that's not the point. The point is that you incrementally change or improve from 30 to whatever that goal is. That's it. Yeah. That's the process, not where you're at. It, it's where you're going in regards to CI. So absolutely. That's a really good point. Um, so anything, so I think we're going to end it here because I know you've got a hard, hard call here in a minute. Now, any, any parting shots, anything you want to leave with the audience to kind of remember, like just, just your take on anything? Yeah, no, I think, um, you know, one of the things I'm passionate about right now, I've been doing a lot of writing on and, you know, through LinkedIn and would encourage anyone, you know, wants to connect me through me at LinkedIn, you know, just, just, you know, go in Shane Wentz or our, you know, the, the company website is uh, www acilconsulting.com that stands for a change in latitude consulting um, but one of the big things right now i'm seeing is is you know and i, I mentioned it earlier this hey it's got to be lean or it's got to be six sigma or it's got to be agile or it's got to be lean six sigma or you know whatever methodology out there is and and i always say listen let's not get too wrapped up in that right because i i you know so you're saying you're going to do lean and you're never going to use a control chart which a control chart is a, a six sigma tool right are you saying you're going to do Six Sigma, never you look at eight ways, which technically is a lean tool? No. So I, I say let's stop worrying so much about the methodology. Look at the larger umbrella of continuous improvement. And let's look at, hey, empowering our most important commodity, which is our employees, right, to improve their processes through this thing that we call continuous improvement. And I think if we would all do that and spend less time on the arguing over which methodology – we'd be much better off. Yeah, I think, and I'm glad you say that. And I, I, I think the, the other part is as leaders, I think our biggest role is ask the right question. Ask the right question to lead into what you just said. What's the, what's the right thing or what's the right process so that my culture or my team can fully embrace continuous improvement because if you throw a controller out there they're going to go what's this for how does that help me how does that bring value to me like i've done that many times and and you're absolutely right they're going to have to through a gamut of things before they get things right but if they partner with you you can quickly analyze that and go okay these are three or four they can quickly help you one tool that we that i've used before and that we constantly use is the the predator graph right predator graph sorts things out and yep. also recently, just a burn down graph, a burn down graph based on how you manage that really gets you 
gives you an idea of where you're going to land based on the volume work that you're it's usually it's the volume work it's usually done for if you have a backlog of items that you need to try to work out so that's really good in some senses but i think you have a really valid point is that you've got to start with with that so shane i really appreciate your time no tell us again where where our audience should get a hold of you yeah, if you go on LinkedIn and, and just look up uh, Shane Wentz, the last name is W-E-N-T-Z, or uh, our company website is www.acilconsulting.com. That's a change in latitude consulting. And uh, yeah, that's how you can get a hold of us and uh, always happen to share, uh, you know, happy to share best practices and, and learn from each other. And, and here's the parting, the parting thing for me, especially if you're, if you're a supervisor or manager and you're listening in on you definitely have responsibility to spend a little bit of time viewing continuous improvement. You may be a firefighter all day, but that has to stop. And if, and the key thing is that there is a slew of people like Shane that want to help you that want to have you become successful because we understand Shane understands it's a struggle being a frontline leader. It's a struggle being a manager meeting both expectations of your employees, the customers, but only that, but your boss as well. It is a tough responsibility. But I think to Shane's point at the very beginning, you've got to bring a routine or a model within that chaos. And it starts, you have to, you have to start, stop firefighting and begin using a model or a process like Sean, Shane said and bringing order to chaos. Well, Shane, I really appreciate your time, and let's stay in touch. Yeah, absolutely, Raphael. Hey, thank you. It was a pleasure being on. Okay. All right, bye-bye.